Right, Revelation chapter 12, I want to talk a little bit about the new mind. And um, we wanna, we're going to use some Old Testament scriptures today for a change. Uh, Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, uh, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove or experience what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let me read this one again. Many times through this, um, you know, the church can be so condemned through verse 1 and then feel a little bit better in verse 2. Verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, how do we present our bodies a living sacrifice unto Jesus Christ? Because so many times you can think, uh, to to be a living sacrifice unto Jesus Christ is to continually sacrifice all the things that you don't want to do, or that you want to do. Now you say, okay, which is now sinful things. Now I'm going to bite the lip, use my willpower, and I'm not going to do that wrong thing, and I'm just going to try hard. And that is now presenting my body a holy living sacrifice unto Jesus Christ. Now that is not a holy living sacrifice unto Jesus Christ. The Bible says that is an abomination to God. It's not a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice of your body is when you come and you say, and and if you understand the context of Romans 6, 7 and 8, which is some of the most important scriptures in the Bible, he says, our bodies, hierdie lichaam van jou, wanneer jy onder een wet sit, dan manifesteer sonde. So when you're under the law, sin will manifest in your body. But now we are presenting our bodies to Christ by not living under the law, but under grace. That's presenting your body a living sacrifice. Otherwise, you're not a living sacrifice. Although you think, I am sacrificing all the time. What you do is, you sacrifice and you give your body unto the gospel of grace. And you don't yield your members unto sin. How do you give your body so that sin can manifest in your body? You start to serve God by the law. Romans chapter 7. Now for those of you that are new here, (laughs) uh, I hope this stuff makes sense. Um, What the Bible teaches is that when you are, the law was not given to make a man righteous. Die wet was nie gegeen as a richlijn oor hoe om heilig te lewe nie. The law has never been a guideline unto how to live holy. The only guideline that the law ever was, was unto Christ. That's what it says. The Bible says we are under governors, the the, the Jewish people were under governors and tutors until Christ. Pointing to Christ. So, if you want to use the law for any guideline, it should guide you to the finished work of Jesus Christ. Or you're not using the law for one of its purposes. The other purpose of the law was to point out sin in a man. To show that no flesh is justified before God. No flesh. And that all of mankind needs a savior. And there's one thing that people don't understand is that, and that is that the law in written format was not given to the Gentiles. It was given to the Jews. It was not given to the Gentiles. The law was given in another format to the Gentiles, which, and that was the law written on our hearts. Because you can go now to people that don't believe in Jesus at all, that's never believed in Jesus, you'll find you're not allowed to take the, 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 the chief's wife. 
You're not allowed to do that. And you're not allowed to steal the chief stuff. It's wrong. And you must pray to a God. Because it's laws that's written on the heart. Because when Adam sinned, that law was written on the heart of all men. The Jews only had it in a written format. The purpose of that was to manifest sin in the life of a person. To bring sin forth. The reason why God gave the law is so that... <laughs> this is radical, especially if you hear it for the first time. But it was so that you can sin. Die wet was gegeen met die doel dat jy kan sondig. Romeine 7 sê, die wet was gegeen, Romeine 6 vers, 5 vers 19, die wet was gegeen so dat die sonde meer kan word. The law was given that sin might abound. We cannot, so when we present our bodies a living sacrifice, we say, I sacrifice this flesh, I give this flesh unto the gospel of God's grace. I don't give this flesh unto the law. And then it talks about how we will be changed. It says, be transformed. How will we be transformed? Because under the, the, the Jewish system and the old system, we presented our bodies a living sacrifice unto the law. But now we can be transformed by having a new mind about what the law really is and what grace really is and who Jesus Christ really is today. I've got good news for you today. Jesus is not a Jew. He is not a Jew. The, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, he says that we related to Christ according to the flesh, but not so anymore. He's the representative of the human race. So, Jesus verteenwoordig die mensdom. Omdat Jesus die mensdom verteenwoordig, kan enige ou wat in hom gloe, dit wat Christus besit vandag, gratis ontvang. If God wants to give you righteousness as a gift, what righteousness do you think will He give you? He only possesses one righteousness, and that is His own. Where else will He find righteousness? For He is God. If God wants to give you a spirit, what spirit can He give you but His own spirit? For He only possesses one spirit. That's all He has. If God wants to give you holiness as a free gift, what holiness will He give you except His holiness? Because that's all He's got. So when God came and washed us, cleansed us, made us holy, perfected us in Christ, He gave as a gift to us the righteousness of God. No other righteousness. Because there is no other righteousness. That's the only righteousness there is. The only other righteousness that came into being was the righteousness which was by the law. Which no man could attain unto. Amen. So, in Romans 12 it says, Let us have a new mind. It says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Now, I want to just say this to you. When you read in the Bible world, it doesn't talk just about the world system like in, you know, the thieves out there. It's not what it talks about. When it talks about the world, it doesn't just talk about the planet. The, the, the Bible language for world is justification by your works. That's the world. Because it says, don't be conformed to this world. What world? This world in which the Jewish people were living that time. 
the world that said, you need to go to the temple, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this, to be the people of God. You must realize that the whole world, the gospel that was towards the whole world was the message that you need to be circumcised to be a child of God. The Jews never believed that Gentiles were children of God. They were almost like in the level of animals. It is like I preached in the one, one church. It is, it's the, uh, 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 that's where we get the word kafir from. It's an unbeliever. It's from Arabic and, and, and the Jewish and from Hebrew. It's a kafir, a, a, peep, a person that doesn't believe. That's where we get it from. And that's what people, that's what they thought about Gentiles. So they said that was the hardest that, that, that world system worked. So he says, let's not be conformed to this world, but let's be transformed by thinking differently. And we are presenting our bodies a living sacrifice unto God and unto Jesus Christ. Amen. So we cannot, uh, 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 you know, we are alive right now, and this every day we give this to the gospel of grace. Amen. So I want to say to you, you don't, you don't sacrifice to strange gods. Don't sacrifice to strange gods. In the Old Testament it says, don't bring strange fire before God. Yeah. We don't bring strange fire before God. You know, flesh that's now sacrificed to this God and now then to the gospel of grace. Then we sacrifice to the law, then we sacrifice to grace. No, we only sacrifice, we give our lives to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it's the only life there is. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Right, the next verse that we can go to. Um, 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 14. That's a little bit about the sacrifice thing there again. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. Listen to what Paul says. You know the scripture very well. It says, For the love of Christ constrains us, because we are of this judgment or of this mind, that if one died for all, then we're all dead. So this is a perfect, wonderful scripture. That means when Jesus died for all, when he died for the Jew, when he died for the Gentile, when he died for the, the Zulu and the South African and whatever, when he died, then all the Zulus died. The Zulu nation died. The South African nation died. The, 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 the nation of Israel died. Everybody were dead. Okay, so that we don't live unto this old system anymore. That we live unto a new system. Verse 15. And that he died for all, that they which live should from now on not live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, that's why from now on we know no man after the flesh. Now many times we think we know no man after the flesh, we don't think of his sins. But that's not what it talks about. It says we don't relate to any person as a Jew or an Israelite or a heathen. We have got only one point of reference for all man and that is Jesus Christ. When Jesus died, the, your effort to be like God died. And that's how we relate to all people. If I go and preach in the US uh, tomorrow, if I fly, I can't go and relate to the Americans as Americans. I can't. Because if I do so, I'm in the flesh. That is living in the flesh. You can preach a wonderful thing saying, you know, God has got something special for America. That's a lie. God doesn't have anything special for America. 
And God doesn't have anything special for South Africa. God doesn't have anything special for you. He's got one special thing for all people, which is the very same thing, which is Jesus and what He did for us. With its effect, the resurrected Christ, which means peace in the presence of God Almighty. That no man can fear anymore. And the gospel that we need to preach and believe is that God justifies ungodly people. That God die onrechtvaardige sien, in Afrikaans is net so verkrachtig genoem, dat God die onrechtvaardige sien, He blesses the sinner. If you can't believe that God blesses a sinner, you cannot be saved. It's impossible. Because you have to come and come to a God that say, God, thank you that you are merciful to me, a sinner. How will you be saved outside of that? It's impossible. That's the faith that we can grab a hold of and make use of. Okay. Wherefore, from now on, we know no man after the flesh. Yes, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now, from now on, we know him like that no more. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Hallelujah. The end of all, the end of all racism. And I'm not talking about Afrikaans apartheid. I'm talking about the core of all racism, which started between the Jews and the Gentiles. That has ended forevermore. And we've got a new life right now. A new mindset that our bodies, we can never again give our bodies unto a law system ever again. We can never relate to any people group on the basis of the law again. You can never relate to yourself on the basis of the law again. There's only one point of reference. It's the resurrected Jesus. Which was the plan from the beginning until now. You know, but this morning before I preached, I spoke to somebody, um, one of my friends in America. And uh, he said to me that we, we get this dispensationalism these days. You know, uh, there was a dispensation of law and then the dispensation of grace and now you get all these dispensations. That's not true. There's only one dispensation. You can't even call it dispensation because dispensation speaks of an end will come to something. There's only one way that God had from before the foundation of the world. That was grace. Grace is not the new thing. It's the oldest thing. The message of God's love, it wasn't, well, God was first an angry God, and then He decided to become friendly now, and now He's given us Jesus. No, no. God was a God of love from the beginning. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1 that before the foundation of the world, God decided we will be perfected in Christ. God predestined before the foundation of the world that the only way that you will ever be holy before Him is in Jesus. No other way. Then man came, Adam came, and he brought the new thing which was called the law system. <laughs> then God took this new plan of man out of the way so that He could stick with His authenticated plan which is Jesus Christ. The grace message. So don't think, you know, we come with this new message of grace. The other things are new things. This is from the beginning. The, the, uh, John, First John, it says, I write to you which was from the beginning. talks about the message of God's love for you. So the love was from the beginning. God's grace is from the beginning. So when we come to God, we, we present our bodies a living sacrifice unto this gospel. And nothing, and, and I want to say this to you so many times, 
we hear this or we hear that or we've got a little bit of a something doesn't work out perfectly here or doesn't work out perfectly there and we want to doubt this gospel of grace. I want to tell you, you don't have to doubt this. This is the only truth there is. And even if it looks as if you can doubt it here, as if it doesn't work, you can continue to believe in the unconditional love of God. Because if, if there's something you don't understand today, you will understand it tomorrow. Amen. If you, if you see a standard five child, and he, and he goes and looks at the math they do in university, he will think what he believes is not true. He will say, but what am I busy with? Or, if there's a calculation that he cannot make with the knowledge he has, which he, which he's received from his teachers in Standard 5, it doesn't make that everything that he's learned from grade 1 wrong. Amen. So, I want to say to you, there's one thing you can know for sure, and we've learned that from small. Live Jesus. Live Jesus. God is a God of love. Now, I tell you, that's a thing that gels in your heart. In your heart, you know God loves. You know that. Every person knows that. And as Adam, when he sinned, the law was written on the hearts of all people, in the same way, when Jesus rose from the dead, upon the hearts of all people was written something like grace. There must be something like grace. There must be something like love. There must be something like forgiveness. There must be something that says, not by my works. That's why when we preach it, people believe it. And they say, it's, it's in my heart. Hallelujah. Right, let's go to a wonderful verse in Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45. <clears throat> Just talk about what Jesus has done and um, how we give our bodies as a living sacrifice unto that and have a new mind. Listen to this verse. Verse 5. I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded you, though you have not known me. Isn't this wonderful? Before we even knew Jesus, He's girded us with a message of righteousness paid for our sins. Verse 6. And uh, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I, the Lord God, uh, uh, I am the Lord God and there is none else. Listen to this verse. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord God, do these things. Now, that's a nice verse. (laughs) I make peace and I create evil. I, the Lord God, do these things. And so many times we want to present our body to a God that says He creates light. And we say, I give myself to the God of light. But there's also a darkness part in God. So I must also give myself to that part that doesn't sound so good. It's like we've learned all the time. Like we teach our children. Listen man, you can't... If That's how it works in this world. You know, my, my, my sons, they've got this entrepreneur thing they do. So the one said, no, he doesn't, he doesn't want to work today. So the other one did the work. So he got all the money. You can't now share the money with the other one. I mean, you worked. So you can't just... Have part in only the good. You must have part in both sides. That's what we learn in this world. 
And that's how we, many people interpret scriptures like that, that. That God has got a good side and God has got a bad side. There's God, has got, God is a God of love, but He's also a just God. He's a fair God. He's a God that hates sin. And we need to be sure that we must now, if we want the good part of God, you must take the bad part of God as well. And then scriptures like this, where, I mean, this is what it says, I form the light and I create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do these things. Now, what, what does he mean there? He says here, I form the light, and when I make light, darkness is created. Okay? <laughs> this is so beautiful. Then he says, listen to this, I make peace, and then I create evil. Let me give you a good, good example. If you go into a church where they believe you baptize babies, and you go in there and you say, listen, um, you don't need to baptize babies anymore, we baptize grown-ups. You're making a lot of evil there. You're creating evil there. Isn't it? If I go to a business and I tell all the slaves in the business, if, if they were still slaves, I tell them, listen, I just want to tell you now, a um, hundred years ago there was a law passed that slavery is not legal anymore. You are all free. I make peace, but I create a lot of evil. <laughs> because of that man under which they work. In that system, evil is created, but I brought peace. Now let's just see how, uh, uh, how the scripture explains itself. Now listen to what it says in verse 7. I form light and I create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do these things. Now, now He's going to create the light and He's going to make the peace. Drop down ye heavens from above and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open. Let them bring forth salvation. And let righteousness spring up together and I, the Lord, have created it. Isn't that awesome? Woe unto him. Now it talks about he's created the peace and he's created the, uh, and, he, and, he, and, he's, and he's brought the light. Now it talks about the evil. Woe unto him that strives with his maker. Let the potsherds strive with the potsherds of the earth. Shall the clay say unto him that fashioned him, What makest thou? Or your work has no hands. Now that sounds very complicated, but what happens here is God says, I make what is good. And when I make what is good, evil is also a byproduct of that. I bring light, and then darkness is a byproduct of that. Let me tell you how. I speak to the skies, Jesus. And I say, let it pour down righteousness on all people. That is the light He brings, and the peace He brings. Then it talks about the darkness. Woe unto him that strives with his maker, saying, Why have you made me like this? Your work has got no hands. Now what he says is, the work you do doesn't need my work. Now you're striving with God that you've made me like this. Oh God, you've made me righteous, free from my works. Now how can that be? How can you make... That is the evil that comes forth. That's the evil that is created when light comes forth. So God says to all of us today, let's give our lives to that which is good. Let's give our lives to the gospel of God's grace. 
And even if there's a message that looks as if it contradicts because God is a righteous God and God is a just God and God is a God that hates sin and God is all those things that doesn't make sense right now, we can know one thing for sure, is, and that is that when God brought forth His, His glory, when He brought forth His light, there will be darkness, and that is those who strive with the Maker. And so how, have you, how could you create? The Bible says, can a man, can a nation be born in a day? Can a nation be born in a day? When Jesus was born from the dead, a new nation was born. <laughs> Hallelujah. Isn't that beautiful? That's the gospel. When we believe this message of grace, we find the power of the gospel living inside us. We find the power of the Holy Spirit living inside us. How will we live a holy life? By being mindful of what He has done. By not striving with our Maker. You know, sometimes we strive with our Maker. You know, we, 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 we look at our situation, we say, but my finances isn't blessed. My health isn't blessed. How could you now say, I'm healed, I'm righteous? It's impossible. Your work has got no hands. Something must manifest here. Something must work here. I'm striving with my Maker. It cannot be. He says, how will you strive with your Maker? That's how He has made you. He's made you righteous in Christ Jesus, free from your works. If you argue with that, you're busy arguing with God. If you want to add anything to that, to that you are bringing forth darkness. There's only one message. And that is God created us in Christ Jesus and made us holy. Yes, but God hates sin. God hated sin so much that He couldn't stand it anymore. Therefore, He wiped it from the earth in the death of Jesus Christ. Because he cannot look at our sin anymore. He doesn't want to see it. Therefore, he took it away. The only sin that there is, is rejecting the fact that he made you righteous free from your works. That is sin before God. It's like I said about the the, the Jewish nation and Israel. I said, why will we sin and tempt God by teaching the Jews that they are special people to God? You are tempting God. Because God came and upgraded them in Jesus Christ. That's anti-Semitism. If you are against, if you are teaching Israel, he's special because of his flesh. That's what it is. But God came and said, listen, I make you a new type of a person. When you believe in me, you are of my flesh. You are of my bone. You are of my life. You're You're a new man in Christ. Why do we want to, why, why can we as Gentiles have freedom in Christ, but they must still live by the flesh? That's unfair. Jesus came for the whole world, including Israel. So we cannot, what's uh, uh, um, discriminate? Discriminate against Israel by saying, you are special because of your flesh, but we are special because of Christ. Repent. Believe the gospel of God's grace. Hallelujah. That's it. There's only one reference to everybody, and that is Jesus. So here he says, let righteousness, let righteousness rain down from heaven. But will, will you now, that's created into what Christ has done now, argue with God? Let's read on. 
Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and his master, Ask me of things to come concerning my sons, and concerning the work of my hands. Command ye me. I have made the earth, and created man upon it. I, even my hands, have stretched out the heavens, and, um, and their hosts have I commanded. I have raised him up in righteousness, and I will direct all his ways. I shall build my city, and he shall let go my captives. Not for price, nor reward, said the Lord of hosts. Oh, hallelujah. Prophet, he says here, I will let righteousness rain down from earth. And when Jesus comes forth, when Jesus, he is, when God looked at Christ, he saw the righteousness of the whole world in one man. In one man. And now we've got this gospel to proclaim to people. When they believe this gospel, the power of that gospel manifests in their lives. But it's available unto all. It's available unto all. That's what the Bible says in Romans 2 verse 20 to 23 so clearly. It says this gospel is unto all and upon all who believe. So it's unto all and upon all who believe. That's why people need to believe this. But we are preaching righteousness unto all through one man. Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And we are presenting our bodies to Jesus. We shall never present our bodies to the message of Satan. Remember what I said last, last time. If God came and writes the law on our hearts, and I will just explain this a little bit so you can understand. If God comes and He would write the Ten Commandments on your heart, like we believe the Bible says in Hebrews 8 and Hebrews 10, He would be working for Satan. And Satan would have conquered God. (laughs) Because God didn't come to write the law of Moses on our hearts. The Bible says, God says, I will write my law on your heart. Not the law of Moses. He says to the Pharisees, your law says. But then he says, a new commandment I will bring. I will write my law on their hearts. What is God's law? That through one man we've been made righteous. Hallelujah. That's God's law. And what Jesus Christ has done for us, that's God's law. That He will write on our hearts and in our minds. So, let us be transformed by the renewal of our mind. As you get your mind renewed into the truth about who we are, who Jesus Christ is, what is done, we present our bodies as a living sacrifice unto Him. We cannot present our bodies unto anything else, people. We are presenting our bodies unto this gospel of grace. When I go to Tanzania, I am presenting my body as a living sacrifice for the gospel of Jesus Christ by only knowing Christ and Him crucified amongst them. When I go to America, I only know this. When you go to your work, when you speak to your family, when you speak to the people that work for you, or the boss that you work for, you've got one point of reference when it comes to the gospel, and that is Jesus Christ. And Him crucified, what does that mean, Him crucified? Meaning, the law man that related to God on the basis of His works has died. Amen. That's the only point of reference. Isn't that a wonderful scripture then, Isaiah? Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Let's just throw something else in here. Romans 9. Just go to Romans 9. Let's look at the effect of what Christ has done. 
And then we're going to end off with two very nice chapters there. Romans 9. Didn't plan this, but let's see how it comes through. Let's read from verse 1. I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. So what he's saying here is, I wish that I could be accursed and Israel blessed. That's what he was saying. If, If I could be cursed and they could know the gospel, I would have allowed that. Now, I don't know if I'm at that point. But that's where Paul was. But what he was actually saying was that Israel's cursed. That's what he was writing there. He said, they are cursed. Man, why are they cursed? Because the cursed is everyone that's under the law. And now the church wants to keep them there. Repent. You receive grace for free, but you want to keep them under the law. You're murdering a nation. The people that God loves. As much as the Zulu and the Koza. How can we kill a nation through our gospel? What have they done wrong against us? That we think that they must be justified by the flesh and we can be justified by grace. It's craziness. It is presenting your body as a living sacrifice unto Moses. Because only by the law of Moses was Israel seen as a special nation. If you go to any other law, the law the people in the Far East had, Israel wasn't special. It was by their law. That's the only thing that made them special. Now, if you continue with that law, you are presenting yourself as a sacrifice unto the law again. I give my life for this gospel. I, my flesh, my body, I make available. This, this, it's not giving my life. It's, I make my body available for the law. Where Christ died for us. And in Him we live and move and have our being. How can we make our bodies available for anything else but the truth in Jesus Christ? Concerning every area of life. Like I've said so many times to those of you that are new here. We cannot make our bodies available for the law when it comes to finances. Saying, well, I believe that we've got Jesus for free. We've got the Holy Spirit for free. Righteousness and everything for free. But if you don't tithe, God cannot bless you. It doesn't make sense. It's not the gospel. Amen. Write this 5. Verse 2. That I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. So the moment he speaks about Israel... He says, I'm talking in the flesh now. This is flesh. Who are Israelites? To whom pertains the adoption? Now that adoption, just quickly there, talks about when when God first went to them. The glory talks about the mountain. The covenants, the law that was given. The giving of the law. The covenants uh, covenants and the giving of the law on the mountain. And the service of God and the promises. Now listen, I don't want to explain the whole verse there. Whose now listen, whose are the fathers and whom as concerning the flesh Christ came, who is over all God blessed forever. So what he says is, listen, here are the Jewish people, Israel, 
God came and, he, and, and they were the people that God spoke to first. God gave the covenants. God was on the mountain, led them out, gave the law of Moses and all those type of things. Blessed is Jesus who came through them as pertaining to the flesh. Now verse 6. Not as though the word of God had taken no effect. So here, the next verse he says, this is who they are. But let's talk about the effect of the word of God on them. For they are not all Israel which are of Israel. So what he was saying is, a new Israel was born in Jesus Christ. The effect that came in Jesus was that a new Israel was born, which are us. Paul writes so beautifully, and you know, many people say, we pray for the peace of Israel, we pray for the, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Paul prayed like that. He says, peace upon the Israel of God. Who's the Israel of God? It's us who believe. Romans chapter 2 verse 30. Who? It says, who is a Jew but he that is circumcised in heart? that believes upon Jesus Christ. So people, I want to tell you, when it comes to Israel, and we are bombarded with this all the time, we cannot give our bodies a living sacrifice, and our minds a living sacrifice unto the law, and discriminate against the whole nation. That's been suffering for so long. If you go and read Romans chapter 9 in context, it says that God chose to harden the heart of Pharaoh by His choice. God chose to bless Jacob above Esau. And God hated Esau. And God hated Esau. But blessed Jacob. When they were in the mother's womb, before they could do anything right or wrong. And then then he says, he creates some vessels for honor and some for dishonor. And if you go and read Romans 9, it says that Israel was chosen a nation for dishonor. As the cursed people. Go and read it. Go and read Romans 9. For they were those that were under that law. Now we want to keep them there. Shame on every man that calls Israel Israel. We cannot present as the church and the living body of Jesus Christ our bodies as a sacrifice unto Moses ever again. For God loves people too much. The same love that He has for us as Christians, us as Gentiles, He has for Israel. For the same way of salvation is for them. Romans chapter 10 verse 1, Paul says, I wish my prayer for Israel is that they might be saved. What does that mean? They're not saved. But now we come and we labor so hard, thinking that by calling people something according to the flesh, we're going to receive blessedness from God. I don't know if you're familiar with those teachings, where you, if you bless Israel, God's going to bless you. You're not. You're going to be deceived. And we, you, the, the, the problem is, instead of preaching the gospel to Israel, If you get hold of a Jew, preach the gospel of grace to him. If he accepts the message, hallelujah. If he doesn't, dust off your feet like the Bible says. And continue. God will send somebody else to him. It's not our work to get anybody saved. It's not our work or vision to change anybody. I want to tell you, if you come here, my vision is not to change you. 
You say, but my vision is I want to change. Let not change be your vision, but let Christ be your vision. And you'll find the new life of Christ living in you. And you, you can make the calculation. Christ, or, or, or uh, uh, my old life, consciousness of change, equals I don't change. Because if you could have changed, you would have. Okay? And you wouldn't have run to another place to help you to change. Because you can't change. That's why you want another place. So, the other thing is, it is my life with no change, but a consciousness of Christ, seeing Christ's life in me, equals I've changed. So, our focus is not trying to change. Like I said so, so many times, my vision is not to change my wife. Her vision is not to change me. But we find that we change all the time. As an effect of what is in our hearts. Hallelujah. Amen. So, the gospel has got effect. The power of the gospel. You know, if you look at South Africa, the, 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 the small thing that happened in history, it's a small thing, where the apartheid law was taken away, is known into the furthest coasts of Canada. <laughs> I've been there. They speak of it. I've, I've been to Tanzania. Wherever I go, they spoke, speak about this heroic deed of Nelson Mandela. That's what they see. And that the change of that law and the taking away of that law had an effect to the point that in one day a new nation was born when that law was taken away. But that can never be compared to the taking away of the real law. Where a new man was born in Christ. Where there's no more Jew, Gentile, man, woman, slave or free. But all is one in Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How can we ever give our bodies as a sacrifice unto the Lord? We cannot. We give our bodies as a living sacrifice unto the gospel by which we are saved. And we will never in our life look down on Israel by calling them special because they are a certain nation. That's degrading them, man. It's like bringing up your past all the time. You know when I go to Tanzania and, and, and they call me, are you those Bura? <laughs> they say, Buas. They say, what language do you speak? I say, no, my, my mother tongue is Afrikaans. Isn't that the language of the oppressor? I don't want to hear that. But now poor Israel must all time hear they Israel, Israel, the people who murdered the prophets and even Jesus Christ. We cannot live by the law anymore. It kills people. It kills people. And so much fear has come to the body of Christ because of Israel. Because all of a sudden we look at something in the flesh. Listen to me. We become fleshly. We look at something in the flesh and then we want to make spiritual sense out of fleshly people that don't even believe in Jesus. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make gospel sense. The only sense there is in this world concerning any nation is the representation of Jesus Christ. It's the only sense. The only thing that will make sense when it comes to Israel or any nation is they must believe in Jesus and be saved. 
Their sins has been removed. Hallelujah. Let's go to Isaiah 40. Isaiah, is it now? 40. I think I read this last time. I'm not sure. But let's just... This blesses me. We're talking about the new Jerusalem, the new Israel, us, the people of God. This is the gospel we're supposed to preach. It says, Comfort ye my people, says the Lord. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Now it explains how they received and the whole thing. It says, The voice of him that cries in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. Now listen to this. Here he says, Cry to my people. If you want to say anything to any nation, you can cry this and say, Your war has ended. I want to tell you tonight, your war on condemnation in your heart has ended. You don't have to feel condemned anymore. Your war on getting rid of of fear in your heart has ended. Cry unto my people. It doesn't say here, mention lightly. It says, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. Double. Double. I mean, if God says comfort ye, then you comfort them. But he says comfort ye and then comfort ye again. So I mean, if God repeats himself, he wants to say something. Verse 2, speak ye comfort to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her war is accomplished. That her iniquity is pardoned for she's been punished. Double. How have we been punished? There's a voice in the wilderness crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. (laughs) Hallelujah. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So here's a desert. What's a desert where there must be a highway? There's a desert is this law system by which people were put in categories, the Gentiles, Jews, the righteousness by your works, was called the desert. God says, make, make a way for me in the desert, for I want to be the only way for you, out of the desert. Amen. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain, and listen to verse 5, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. Now, where is that? How is that? Is that to come one day? Let's just show you. (laughs) John chapter 1. Last week I spoke to Richard. I said, you know, when we take the book of Revelation, we don't take the book of Revelation and then interpret it with the news. When you take the book of Old Testament prophet Isaiah, you interpret it with Jesus. When you take Jeremiah, the interpretation is Jesus. When you want to look at what Paul wrote in Corinthians, you go to Jesus. But when people go to the book of Revelation, they go to the news. It doesn't make sense. The answer is in Christ. Jesus. Hallelujah. So I think we must study that whole book over. Thank you, Lord. Uh, uh, John chapter 1. Listen to this. 
It says there, I want to just refresh your mind, it says, cry unto Jerusalem, the war is over. The war on sin, the war on guilt, the war on condemnation, the war on judgment, the war on I'm not good enough, the war on I must try and prove myself before God, the war on getting God not angry with me, the war on getting God to bless you. Tell my people her war is over for her sin has been pardoned because she has been punished. Prepare a way of the Lord. The Lord's glory shall be revealed. John chapter 1 verse 17. Uh, Sorry. Verse 14. And the word of the Lord was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. Hallelujah. So what he says is cry to Jerusalem. Cry to the people. Say to all the people. Your war has ended. For grace and truth is revealed. Amen. Grace and truth is revealed. Therefore your war has ended. Your war has ended. Amen. So that is the message that we can speak. So when it comes to Jerusalem, and it comes to giving our bodies as a living sacrifice, and the new mind that we live with, we don't now fall back under the law. We love all people the same. Jesus Christ, remember what I said. The Bible says, a new commandment I give unto you. That you love one another as I have loved you. Now many times we think that the new commandment is that we now should love one another. That's not the new commandment. The Bible says, a new commandment I will give to you. That will enable you to love one another. So what is this new commandment? This new commandment is to believe on Jesus Christ. And the commandment of God is, I sent my word and it will heal you. Believe on that word. That's the commandment of God. And that will enable you to love all people the way Jesus loves all people. So, now, when we present our bodies to this gospel of grace, when it comes to the Jew or Gentile or whatever nation, we can love all people with the love of Jesus by saying, by one word, there's salvation for you. But the moment you step out of the cross, you cannot love all people the same, and there you start to discriminate against Israel. They must now, by the flesh, get their salvation somehow. How will they ever? They were the example unto us. Paul said, and not just Paul, Acts chapter 15 says, why will we basically plague the people, burden the people with things that we couldn't do or our forefathers? Acts 15. So there were they, the sign of the people living under the curse of the law in written format. We want to keep them there. We can never do that. The gospel we received is we love all people now the way God loves us. And how did God love us in Jesus Christ? By not imputing our trespasses against us for we declare that the law which we were under, that determined who we were, has been fulfilled. And that's how we live towards every nation. And I tell you, and I say this with so much compassion and love in my heart, and even if people watch this years from now, I say this with love in my heart. The church gets so busy with, Afrikaans was the best, fitriasis. You know what a fitriasi is, my brother? There's no English word for that. 
So you can, you, you can just grab it into the feet of your... With nonsense. Just, you know, busy with stuff. You know, it's like my son said, you know. It, it's like nine o'clock at night, he must go to bed. He says, uh, oh yeah, I had homework. <laughs> now why didn't you do your homework? I didn't have time today. <laughs> I mean, he's in standard two. He doesn't have time for his homework. <laughs> he was busy with fitriasis, you know. He's busy with nonsense. Therefore, he didn't have time to do his homework. The church gets busy with all this nonsense of running helter-skelter trying to do something for God. And now we, we no, 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 pukons op nasi. There's one thing I don't like, and that's a bully. Why does the Gentile church bully Israel? Take that name Israel away from them. There's a much better point of reference where they can be loved and experience the love of God. Under the name Israel, they can never experience love. Never. No flesh shall ever be justified before God. There's one way of justification. It's acceptance of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Have you ever thought of the Jews that die without the knowledge of Jesus? Because we think that one day, because of their flesh, they're special before God. Huh? It's a sin, man. I don't know if you hear what I'm saying, but it's a sin looking at a nation and saying, we are so generous to you. that, And I think that is why the church sits with this thing. Because believing in Jesus became such a hard work that God is so generous to Israel that they don't have to believe in Jesus to be saved. Made it easy for them. <laughs> it's difficult to get saved by Jesus. So he made it easy for the Jews. They can just be saved by the flesh. Yeah. That's the wrong way around. It's easy to be saved by Jesus Christ. And that same ease has come for every nation. Galatians chapter 2, uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 2 says, He's broken down the middle wall of separation, talking about the law that made people different nations and He's made one man in Christ. Let's go to uh, Isaiah 14. And then I'm going to end there. It's also a lot. Sorry, man. Isaiah 14. Okay, I forgot to say that the next service will be on the 29th. Not on the 21st. So the 29th, we will send SMSs. So on the 29th will be the next service. We will also send an SMS telling people it will not be next week and all those type of things. Because I'm going to be away and then on the 29th I'll be back. Isaiah 14. As I listen to this. Ugh. The Lord will have mercy on Jacob and will yet choose Israel and set them in their own land. And the strangers shall be joined with them and they shall um, cleave to the house of Jacob. And the people shall take them and bring them to their places, and the house Israel shall possess them in the land of the Lord, for the servants of the handmaids, and they shall make them captives. Listen, listen to verse 2. 
It says Israel, it says, and they, Israel or the church, shall make them captives who cap- whose captives they were. And they shall rule over their oppressors. So what God says is there is a people talking about the church, prophesying about the church. The Bible says there's a Jerusalem that's from above. And that is the believers in Jesus Christ. But the Jerusalem of this earth is in bondage with the children until today. Galatians chapter 4. So we can never relate to people as bondage. There's a Jerusalem that's from above. That's those that believe the gospel of grace. And now it talks, prophesies about this, the Israel of God, the believers in Jesus Christ. It says here, The Lord uh, um, and the house of Israel shall possess them in the land of the Lord for the servants and the handmaidens. And they shall make them, listen to this, and they shall make these people that oppressed them, make them captives, whose captives they were. And they shall rule over them, over their oppressors. And they shall, and it shall come to pass in the day of the Lord, when Jesus came, when the, it shall come the day that the Lord shall give you rest from your sorrow, and from your fear, and from your hard bondage, wherein you was made to serve. Listen, it says, God, there's the, the things that oppress you. And the context here is the law system oppressed us in the flesh. He says, but God will make this law your slave. You were enslaved under the law, but now the law will be your slave. Let's talk about that's powerful. Man. He says, and God, through making the law your slave, and you're not the slave of the law anymore, he says, what will happen? He will give you rest from your sorrow, and from your fear, and from your hard bondage, when you were made to serve. Oh, Hallelujah. Thank you for the gospel, Jesus. We have been set free from our fear and our bondage and our hard labor. And this message of hard labor is now my slave. Let's just look at what this Lord did. Verse 4. For thou shalt take up this proverb against the king of Babylon and say, How has the oppressor ceased and the golden city ceased? We will, you know, if you look at the law system, you know, in, in, in the time of Jerusalem, it was this golden city. It was the city of God, what people said. But he says, we today, in the New Testament, will look at that law system and we will say, how has the oppressor ceased? And you'll shout to the king of Babylon, which is Satan himself. He says, how have you fallen? We think Satan was fallen because he was kicked out of heaven in some way. The way Satan fell was when he lost his hold on you, which was the law. That was the fall of Satan. Can you believe that? That was his fall. And now, the, 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 mess, the system that oppressed us, we are oppressing it by declaring the gospel of grace. Because the strong man has been bound. You can never plunder someone's home unless the strong man's been bound. And Jesus Christ came and He did bind the strong man. Which was the man of the law. Working in your life. Now we are binding strong mans over the town. You're wasting your time. You are wasting your time. You don't have to do that. The strongest thing that can ever control a man is a wrong mind about what Christ has done for him, who he is in Jesus. 
That's the strong man. And that has been bound. And now we go as the oppressor of the law system and we are plundering the house by preaching the gospel of grace. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. And we are shouting, Oh, golden city, how have you fallen? And your rule ceased. And let's just look at how he ruled. And the Lord has broken, the Lord has broken the staff of the wicked and the scepter of the rulers. What was the staff and the scepter, the authority under which we were ruled with an iron fist? What works? Your, by your flesh, you are like God. By your works, you're going to be like God. By your works, you're going to be righteous before God. But this very flesh that was used as the place by which Satan had his heyday by us seeking justification by the law, finding all manner of sin manifesting in us, it has now been given as a sacrifice unto the spreading of the gospel and for the good news to find its house and its dwelling place. The Lord has broken the staff. He who smote the people in wrath with a continual stroke. Look at what the Lord did. He who smote the people in wrath. God's angry. He must fear God. With a continual stroke that he ruled the nations in anger and persecuted and none hindered. What he says is this law and the system of judgment was over the people and nobody could stop it. There was no man That's why the Bible says the law will stay there, heaven and earth will pass away, but not one point of comma will ever pass away until Jesus comes and fulfills it. Nobody could do anything about it. And it was a continual stroke. Not a 400 yard ballingskap. That was just a sign of the thing. The real thing started in Adam and people were in bondage all the time. But freedom came 2,000 years ago and the time has come that the church takes up the, the rulership and rules. How do we rule? We rule over the spreading of this law system by preaching the gospel of God's acceptance and the gospel of grace. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me tell you something. In South Africa... <coughs> Well, this story, Francois always tells this. There was, with a slave trade in the early 1800s, round about there, there was a slave trade and there was this man that, that had slaves. And he had about 100 or 200 slaves working for him. But then there was a law passed that they had to let all the slaves go, for free, go free. Because you were not allowed to have slaves anymore. But then this guy kept this knowledge away from his slaves. And they worked for years for him. Being slaves, but they were not slaves. But one day, one of the slaves came to hear that it's over. And he spread the news. And one day, all the slaves were free. In one day. It's like in South Africa. You're not going to tell you under only an ignorant black person will fall under the apartheid system today. Only an ignorant person. 
And what you will do, what, what, what the people that were made free under the new regime, and I'm not preaching politics, I'm just using this as an example. What they did today is they are ruling over the old system. Which is only in this message an allegory of the true thing that happened in Christ. But we, many people willfully take enslavement even after we've been made free. I never will be enslaved again. Sorry. I've got the new law of life and the power of heaven backing me. And I will not get enslaved and I'm asking you not to go back to slavery when it comes to Israel. Why do we want to go back to the law? If you start to think, let, let me tell you, if you start to think of that that way, tomorrow, tomorrow you're going to start to, to, to celebrate Jewish feasts. The day after that you're going to start to dress like the Jews. And not long from now you're con- completely confused. To the point where Paul says, this borders to uh, 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 um, witchcraft, who has bewitched you. That you want to go back to the beggarly elements. Beggarly elements compared to the elements we have now. Beggarly elements. We've been made free. We have been made free. And this proverb will be in our mouths, according to Isaiah 14, verse 3 and 4. This proverb shall be in your mouths. How have you fallen, O golden city? O ruler of Babylon, you are nothing. And Paul put it in modern words. He said, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? That was the modern day proverb of saying, O Babylon, you have fallen. Babylon, you have fallen. If you can read Babylon, the fall of Babylon, in uh, 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 um, Revelations 11, I think it's from verse 9, it says there, And Babylon, the great city Babylon, is Sodom, is Jerusalem, where our Lord was crucified. Go and read that. (laughs) This whole old system is gone. It is gone. Let me just read one thing more. I don't want to miss something there. Thou shalt take up this proverb against the king of Babylon and say, How has the oppressor ceased, the golden city ceased? The Lord has broken the staff of the wicked and the scepter of the ruler. He who smote the people in wrath with a continual stroke, he that ruled the nations in anger and persecuted and none hindered, the whole earth, after what the Lord has done now, the whole earth is at rest. And is quiet. They break forth in singing. Yes, the fir tree rejoices at the, and the cedars of Lebanon saying, Since thou art laid down, no fellow is come up against us. I've got good news for you. Once you've got victory over this law thing, no fellow will come against you again. There's no law system to come in the future again. It's over forever. We've been made free. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? When it comes to Israel and Jerusalem, 
we can be spiritual. We don't have to fall into fleshly death. We are new people. We are a new people. And we can love others the way God loved us. By not taking the commandments into consideration, but looking to a higher law, the law of God's love. If Christ loved us so much, why can't we love Israel by not calling them Israel anymore? And call them what God calls them. He says, the only time when they could become God's people, go and read Galatians. It says the promise was made to Abraham and his seed. Who was Abraham's seed? Not the Jews. No. It says, the problem, promise was made to Abraham and his seed. Not as of many, but as of one, Christ. So the problem was never made to the Jews. Never. They were given the law just as signs of Christ's coming and the promise that would be fulfilled in Jesus. And now, they were the first happy people that could interpret the prophets and joyfully wait for the Messiah and say, Hallelujah, my Messiah has come. Now I can be saved by faith in Jesus Christ. But because of the blinding power of the law, they could not see it. And many don't. And let's live in the Spirit and give our bodies as a living sacrifice unto Jesus. Having a new mind concerning every area of life. You know, I end off with this. Paul said, listen to those who are over you in the Lord. For they watch out for your souls. And I don't want to but listen to what I want to say here when I think of you and I think of people I am thinking and this is what he says because they watch out over you a pastor is not the one you must serve he's there to serve you to watch out over you to look at your life and to see what is attacking you and would, that would bring you back into bondage and slavery. And then he ministers a gospel that keeps you in the grace. The Bible says, keep them in high esteem or double honor. He even says, give to them. Because the purpose they live with is that. But unfortunately, that is not what's happening in many instances. But that scripture is used. And now we are actually enslaved under that which we must be delivered from. And I'm not saying run to my place. Go to any place where you can find the gospel of grace. Where you find that that person is watching out over your soul. And he wants to see that you believe the message of God's unconditional love for you. In every area of life. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Let us pray together. Maybe you are here and you just feel, you know, there's certain things that just gets too much for you. There's certain things that you feel, I don't know how I'm going to sort this thing out. It's very difficult for me. Just make your request known to God and we can just leave it there. And He will care for you. And just with your eyes closed like this, I want to just tell you this short story. There's one lady came to us, you know her well, Marlene, that comes here always. She couldn't come tonight because... 
doesn't have someone to look after the baby. And um, she wanted to sell her house, but they couldn't sell the house. And we're going through many things. I said to her, just be content with where you live and maybe rent your house out, go and live in a smaller place, whatever, and make your request known to God. And she did that and left it there. And the house is now sold. It took a couple of months longer than what she thought, but what she asked happened. What she made known to God. So I want to say to you, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you're in. How deadly it looks. You are in Christ. And in Christ, when you speak to the Father, it's not coming from beneath. It's just leaning over. Because we are seated with Him in heaven. You know, when you see the Wimbledon Wimbledon tennis or whatever, or these big soccer matches, you see some of the presidents, they sit there and the one just leans over to the other one and just says something. In saying something like that, it can change a whole nation. Just at a soccer match. In the same way, it's just like leaning over to God and just say, what's on your heart? I think that's what you can do right now. Because you've been perfected in one sacrifice. You don't have to think, but I come from a poor background, I come from this, I come from that. I've been so deep into the law. And Forget your past. Look at the only future you have, which is Jesus. And you can just make that request, whatever it is, known to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, my Father.